Well, it has been a long, long time since Gonzaga was embarrassed like that on a basketball court, leaving Zag Nation with a lot of questions, including the big one. Are the Bulldogs in trouble? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates through another season of Gonzaga basketball. And boy, was it a rough one on Wednesday evening in Texas at the new Moody Center. Longhorn Nation showed up in a major, major way, and unfortunately, the Zags did not. It was a really, really embarrassing, challenging, frustrating performance to watch. You all know me. Many of you are longtime listeners to the show. You know that I am a relentlessly positive person, that I have continued to kind of preach patience with this team and acknowledging that, yes, they have some shortcomings early on. The defensive intensity and communication has been a challenge. The play from the guards has been a challenge. And up to this point in the season, you know, we we saw the challenges kind of show up in a major way against Texas, or excuse me, against Tennessee in the exhibition game. But it was an exhibition game. So we we were kind of cautiously not trying to, to put too much weight, too much emphasis on what we saw in that game when Gonzaga got outscored by 23 points in the second half and and also acknowledging, hey, Tennessee's really good and their guards are very good and perhaps this was maybe more of an anomaly. We saw Gonzaga struggle in a lot of ways against Michigan State as well, but once again, a lot of those struggles were kind of tossed out by, hey, this is an aircraft carrier game. These games have been historically weird for every team that has played in them. Uh, And ultimately, Gonzaga got the win. They did not lose to Michigan State, a team that has since subsequently defeated Kentucky and looks like a top 15 team in the entire country. Gonzaga came back and won in that game because of their grittiness, because of their toughness, because of Drew Timmy. So yes, the flaws that we saw from Gonzaga in the Tennessee exhibition game, some of the flaws we saw from Gonzaga in the Michigan State game, we took those with a grain of salt. We thought, hey, it's early in the season. These are unique circumstances. We're going to toss them out. There wasn't a unique circumstance here. Texas was in nearly... I don't even know nearly every facet of the basketball game. Texas was a better team. They were more cohesive as a unit. They were better offensively. They were much, much better defensively. They overwhelmed Gonzaga's backcourt. They stymied Drew Timmy when they needed to. Gonzaga couldn't do anything in this game. And there's no excuses. There's no caveats. Yes, it's early in the season and the team will get better. And we'll, we'll be more, a bit more positive towards the end of the podcast. But right now, this was a bad game. This was an embarrassing game. It was a really, really frustrating performance to watch. The flaws that Gonzaga has are just not flaws we have seen from this team in a very long time. Gonzaga has has rarely been an elite defensive team. They have had great defensive teams. The 2016-2017 team that went to the national championship behind Shemek Karnowski and Zach Collins coming off the bench on that team and Jonathan Williams and Nigel Williams-Goss and Josh Perkins. Like That was a great team and they were a very good defensive team. Of course, last year's team with Chet Holmgren was a much better defensive team because of Chet Holmgren and the impact that he brought to that team. But by and large, Gonzaga has a bit struggled on the defensive end of the floor, and this unit looks really rough, really rough on that end of the floor. We'll talk about the guard play because that's the other big story here. But ultimately, Gonzaga's defensive intensity is just not there. Their communication is terrible. And for me, that is is startling. 
I got questions on Twitter of like, do you think that Gonzaga's defensive communication issues are personnel based, coaching based? And, and it's hard to know. It's hard to know for me, like so many of these pieces returned. Yes, there are newcomers, obviously. Malachi Smith, newcomer. Efton Reed, newcomer. Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, not newcomers, but relatively young, relatively inexperienced players. But Julian Strother is back after a full season and should be more acclimated defensively. Drew Timmy, of course, has been in the program a long time. Anton Watson, been in the program a long time. Rasheer Bolton, been playing college basketball for a really long time. These kind of defensive breakdowns where... Texas's guards were getting wide open looks from deep where Texas's guards were getting into the paint with extreme ease and there's nobody to protect the rim. Gonzaga had three total blocks in this game. Basically what Chet averaged individually last year, we knew rim protection was going to be an issue, but there's just nobody challenging shots down there at all. Nobody is doing it. And when the Gonzaga guards cannot keep these players in front of them, when they're struggling to handle high pick and rolls when they're letting guards come off those screens with wide open looks or when they're coming under screens and giving them wide open three-point looks. Yes, Texas was shooting 19% from three coming into the game. That was a fact I talked about on the podcast. That was a fact just about everybody when discussing this game, when previewing this game. It was a fact about Texas. This team doesn't shoot it well. Tyrese Hunter is like a career 27% three-point shooter coming into this game from his career previously at Iowa State. It was unexpected to see them be that elite from three. Both things can be true. Texas shot as well as they're probably going to shoot all season long. They played a dang near perfect game of basketball. They were elite in all facets of the game. Some of that was, I don't want to say otherworldly, but like surprisingly efficient from Texas. They played better than they normally play. I I don't think that's unreasonable to say. But it doesn't mean that, oh, well, we should just chalk it up to another hot shooting team. Gonzaga needs to be better on that end of the floor. They need to be better defensively. You can't constantly say, oh, the other team keeps having great shooting nights against us. Oh, well, that's not enough. You're not doing enough on that end of the floor. When Dylan Disu is getting wide open three-point looks, you, you can't do that. There were a couple games that if we would go back and rewatch this game, there's a couple shots by Tyrese Hunter, by Serge Jabari Rice that you're just like, wow, okay. What a shot. Like he, he is a step back three. There was a defender right in his face and he knocked it down. Cool. Good players make good plays. That happens. But that was not the case for a lot of this game. A lot of this game was just straight up poor defense. And that needs to change now. There's no excuse. It needs to change. We can be a little bit more patient with some of the young guards. We're going to have to be. We don't have a choice there. We cannot continue to accept Gonzaga being this inefficient Poor communicating, struggling to find their man on defense. That just cannot continue to happen. Bad teams will beat Gonzaga if they play like that on the defensive end of the floor. In terms of the guard play, Nolan Hickman has continued to struggle this season. Again, we chalked up some of his struggles in the Michigan State game to the wonkiness of the game, and I think that that's fair and justified. But in this game, he hit two early threes. Incredible. That was awesome to see. He did not seem to be struggling in the moment, uh, the excitement of the stadium. He, of course, then got a technical foul, which was a bit dubious. But hey, you know, it happens. There's a lot of emotion in that game. But after that, four turnovers, two assists, just dribbling the ball off his foot, couldn't get into the ball screen actions at all. In fact, none of Gonzaga's guards could throw the ball to Drew Timmy. This is how Texas won on the offensive end of the floor. As they said, well, we just... We're not going to prevent Drew Timmy from scoring when he gets the basketball, so just don't let him get the basketball. The only player who could make an entry pass to Drew Timmy in this game was Anton Watson. He was the only guy. The Zags were just kind of 
were on the balls of their feet, not doing anything on offense until they could get the ball to Anton Watson. He could make an entry pass to Drew Timmy from there. I drew out a nice game, 7 of 10 from the field, 18 points. He also had five turnovers, so he didn't do exactly what he normally does, but you can't pin most of this on Drew. The problem was the team couldn't get him the ball. And outside of Nolan Hickman, we saw Rasir Bolton. He didn't do anything until the second half. And even then, he he had some nice dribble drives, but he didn't finish around the rim very well. Uh, he, he just kind of struggled. Malachi Smith just wasn't there. He had seven points, a rebound, one turnover. He was just pretty much a non-factor in this game. That cannot happen. Gonzaga did not bring Malachi Smith in to be a non-factor off the bench. Nolan Hickman has not stepped up into that starting point guard role. Maybe he gets there in time, but right now he is not that guy, and Gonzaga just doesn't have that guy. That's how you get a game where you turn the ball over 20 freaking times. 20 turnovers in this game compared to 10 for Texas. That you're going to lose a lot of basketball games if you turn the ball over 20 times. There's just no excuse for that. Gonzaga needs to figure out what the answer is for them on the offensive end of the floor, particularly in the backcourt, because right now what they're doing is just straight up not working. All right, we got more reaction to Gonzaga's disaster showing against Texas on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to discuss the team's inability to get out in transition, which is a huge factor for this team. And we're going to continue to talk about the serious concerns we have about the guard room going forward. But first, are you feeling like you just can't get in shape? It's not your fault. As men age, our body naturally loses free testosterone. It happens to every man and can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic or active. Wouldn't it be nice to get that winner's edge again and, and that old swagger back in your step? Want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get better results at the gym, and help you look free and, and feel like the man you really want to be. While every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total T, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials. And Eugenics formulation is backed by 10 years of science and research. Eugenics Total T can help re-energize your life and help you get back the powerful, confident, good-looking warrior you used to be. Now get a complimentary bottle of Eugenics Total T when you text COLLEGE to 231231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. That's texting COLLEGE to 231231. All right, segment two, still any patents, still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, we are reviewing my five things to watch heading into this basketball game. We're going to talk about how those things played out, what they mean for the Zags going forward. The number one thing, and we talked about it a bit in the first segment, was doesn't matter how you do it, just get the ball to Drew Timmy. And we saw this in the Michigan State game where the Zags eventually realized that their ball screen actions weren't really working. They were struggling to find ways to actually get the ball into Drew Timmy's hands. So in the final 12 minutes of that game, they ran a lineup that included Hunter Salas at the point guard position and effectively just swung the ball around the wing and found a way to get the ball to Drew. They didn't. They weren't trying to do anything creative. There wasn't a lot of different screens or other setups, emotion offense style. They were just entry passes to Drew Timmy, clearing out of the way, letting him go to work. Gonzaga couldn't even do that 
in this game. They were incapable of doing that. Gonzaga's guards were so overwhelmed at the point of attack by Gonzaga's or by Texas's defenders that they couldn't even find ways to make an entry pass. This is a huge problem. Drew Timmy is the sole focal point of this offense. He is the guy who needs the ball in his hands for Gonzaga's offense to hum. If they're not going to get out in transition, and we'll talk about that, then, then the half-court offense is, is critical for their success. Half-court offense is based on Drew Timmy. The fact that the guards can't even get him the ball, disaster. Disaster for the Zags. There's no other way to look at it. And, and again, Drew was good in this game. 7 for 10 from the field, 18 points, 9 boards. Yes, five turnovers is a problem. Drew Timmy has always had a bit of a turnover issue. It happens when you're a high-usage big man. It's just part of the deal. But five turnovers and one assist is not going to cut it for Drew. We're not going to just let him off the hook entirely. He, it wasn't his sharpest game. But again, this, this does not really fall on Drew. The rest of the team failed Drew. That's what happened in this game. They didn't show up in a way to help him be the best version of the basketball player that he is. He was forced to, to, to try to do as much as he can with the few times he got the ball. And when he did, he got swarmed. And most of the time, he just wasn't able to get the ball. The, the Zags were turning it over before they even got him the basketball in his hands. Or by the time they got it to him, he wasn't in good position anymore. There wasn't very much time on the shot clock. Whatever the situation may be, uh, he... He didn't have his sharpest game, but the team around him just didn't help him in any way. And that's if that doesn't change, the Zags are going to have some serious issues. Next up, my second biggest key heading into the game was, can Nolan Hickman handle the pressure? Frankly, no. No, I, I think that's kind of the answer to the question here. He hit two threes early, and he, he kind of woofed about it and got a technical foul. I don't really mind that. I thought it was kind of a, a cheesy tech. Uh, and I was really excited about seeing that. Like, hey, look, he's back. He's here. He's hitting clutch shots. He's He's... He's doing what he needs to do, and after that, it just it unraveled for him. Texas's his defenders are big, they're physical, they're strong. They were up in his grill, in his kitchen, and he just he's not ready to respond to that the way that Gonzaga needs him to. And we saw Andrew Nembhard struggle with this too. So it's not it's not like he's the first point guard to come in and not be able to do this. It's hard, and Gonzaga is playing a rigorous schedule. They're playing. Texas and Michigan State are two of the most physical, most athletic backcourts Gonzaga is going to face this year. That is an important note to make. It is an important detail. They will barely play more guards that look like this. They will on Sunday. Kentucky's Cason Wallace is a freaking stud. Freshman had seven steals in that Michigan State game. He is an absolute monster, and he's going to be a load for Gonzaga. We're going to talk a lot more about Kentucky, of course, on Friday's episode. But they're, they're going to pay, face another really good physical uh, backcourt there in Kentucky. But after that, you know, they got some more challenging ones. Of course, Baylor and Alabama are on the schedule as well. But it's going to get a little bit easier. But Nolan Hickman's not the guy right now. He has not been the guy so far this season. Again, you, you could excuse it a little bit in exhibition game. You could excuse it a little bit in the weird game at Michigan State. And it's still early. Mark, you told us this was going to happen. He told us the craziness in the kennel. Hey, this team's not quite ready to go. Like, what's well, going to take us some time to, to find that spot to, to be, you know, to be peaking. And that's fine. I would much rather this team peak in March. I would way rather they peak in March than peak right now. But boy, is it tough to watch right now. It's tough to watch right now. Third key to this game coming in, can Gonzaga get out in transition? Once again, no. Resounding no. They had two transition points in this game, too. That's it. They did not have any in the first half. They, this is two games in a row where Gonzaga's ability to get out in transition was just sapped, was just completely removed from the game plan. Again, Michigan State, 
a little bit of a caveat there. Not a ton because, you know, the aircraft carrier didn't necessarily affect Gonzaga's ability to get out in transition all that much. A lot of that had to do with Tom Izzo game planning to prevent Gonzaga from getting out in transition. Chris Beard did the same thing, and guess what? It doesn't look that hard to stop Gonzaga from getting out in transition. Two teams have figured out how to do it pretty easily. Yes, these two teams are different than teams Gonzaga's going to face in the WCC than a lot of other teams they're going to face this year. You could argue that Gonzaga, or excuse me, Texas and Michigan State are probably two top 10 defensive teams in the country. Texas is first. So, you know, that that's an important detail to make. Texas is the best defensive team in the country right now. And Michigan State's a very good defensive team too, but Gonzaga needs to be able to get out in transition. Guess what? You face good defensive teams in the NCAA tournament. If the Zags cannot get out in transition, they barely, they, they needed to be able to get out in transition to beat Memphis in that second round game last year. And then they were, they struggled in transition and in the half court, frankly, in that Arkansas game. But they have not looked like the team that can get out in transition. And we, we talked about Nolan Hickman a lot already, but where's, where's Rasheer Bolton? Where's Malachi Smith? These guys are transition monsters. That was a huge part of who they were previously in their collegiate careers. It's a big part of who Rasheer Bolton was at Gonzaga last year. And they're not doing it. They're not getting out in transition right now. That's a problem. This doesn't all fall on Nolan Hickman. The point guard doesn't have to be the only guy getting out in transition. Everybody else on the roster, this includes Julian Strother, this includes Hunter Salas, this includes Dominic Harris, everybody else who's playing has the ability to get out in transition, and we did not see it in this game, and that is a big problem. Next key for me, can Efton Reed and Anton Watson avoid foul trouble? We've seen when they go up against bigger physical teams that there's a potential for these guys to get in foul trouble. Uh, Reed, no, he, he picked up two quick ones. Uh, he kind of struggled in this one. We haven't really got a chance to see him have his breakout yet. Uh, he's still pretty raw. I think he was still the, the right player to pick to come into this team and, and back up Drew Timmy because... He's not ready to be a, a 30, per, 30 minutes per game high usage scoring center the way that Gonzaga wants him to be in the future. I think he's going to be that guy, but he's not that guy yet. Two offensive fouls in this game. He's still learning the offense. You can tell. He's he's late rotating over. He's late being where he's supposed to be. That's part of the reason he commits the offensive fouls. Uh, he was two for two from the field in seven minutes, uh, but he also had three turnovers and two fouls. So he he's still still a work in progress for Efton. Uh, Anton Watson was not the problem today. Uh, eight points, two boards, two assists. Uh, he was the only player who could make an entry pass. The Zags had to rely on him to even get the ball to Drew Timmy. That shouldn't be his his sole job. Uh, it's one of the most important things that he does for this team offensively, and he was pretty good at it. He, he did have some turnovers. Who didn't? He had the le- the least amount of turnovers among the starters outside of Rasir Bolton, so good for him in that regard. Uh, one for three from the free throw line. That's not great. We, you know, we, he he wasn't perfect in this game. Nobody was even all that close to perfect in this game. But Anton Watson wasn't the issue uh, in this one. And then the final key, which we're going to talk about much more in the third and final segment, tuning out the noise. This place was loud. You could tell on the TV broadcast, you could tell from the reporters who were there, who were tech, or who were tweeting about it, this place was absolutely popping for Texas. And Gonzaga struggled with that. Some of the turnovers appeared to be sound-related, noise-related, just flustered. Uh, Gonzaga got a little bit in their own head because of the noise of the stadium. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. I don't like to make speculation about how players are feeling emotionally or mentally because we don't really know. But when you see a packed house, Gonzaga doesn't see a lot of those. They just don't see a lot of arenas like that. And you see them make some careless mistakes, turn the ball over in ways that they don't typically do. I think it's pretty reasonable to connect the dots there and say, hey, maybe this had an impact on them. And that's really what I want to talk about to close out the show. As painful as it was, 
to get embarrassed the way that Gonzaga did. It's clearly, clearly good for college basketball to have high-profile true road games early in the season. More of that, please, please. Uh, before we talk more about that, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA seasons are back in action. Of course, college football and the NFL remain in the thick of their seasons. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. We're going to talk about road games. We're going to end the show with a little bit more positivity because I know that it's been a rough one, but it's a rough one. Gonzaga doesn't have very many rough ones. I think I was calculating since I started podcasting about the Zags in the, uh, the just before the 2019-2020 season when it was called Score, Zag, Score. Many of you are OG listeners. I appreciate that. Uh, I think the Zags have lost, f- this is the fifth fifth game that they've lost, maybe the sixth game that they have lost in that time period. So we don't talk about losses a lot on this podcast. That's pretty cool, quite frankly, that the Zags win so many games. But uh, we knew there'd be some this year. I don't think anybody was expecting Gonzaga to run the table uh, with this ridiculous of a non-conference schedule, but that doesn't mean they don't hurt. One thing that was plainly noticeable in this game, we kind of ended the last segment talking about it, was the environment. College basketball needs more games like this. I don't think that this is a remotely debatable topic. That was a blast. It sucked for Gonzaga. Boy, did it suck for Gonzaga with the way that it happened. The fact that there was just some highlight reel dunks at the end of the game when when the score was long irrelevant. It just kind of added even more intensity. But guess what? Texas flew all the way across the country to Spokane, Washington last year and got embarrassed. Gonzaga beat the tar out of them when they were, I believe, the sixth-ranked team in the country and they got smoked. Drew Timmy dropped 37. The kennel was absolutely popping off. Texas, they returned the favor. They dished it right back. And that place was packed and loud and enthusiastic and fans waited hours and they had signs and there was creativity uh, and there were some not creative signs because that's just how it works uh, at these college basketball games. And Texas gave it right back to Gonzaga. And you know what? That's what this should be. It sucks right now in the moment. It does. I feel it. You feel it. I know it. Uh, But this is what college basketball should be. I don't like these games being played at neutral sites. I would rather they be true road games. And you know why teams don't do that very often. Like we know that if you guys have been paying attention to the Pac-12 SWAC tournament, this is a yearly thing that they're going to do now where... Pac-12 teams are going to play teams in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, uh, and they're playing true road games. Pac-12 teams are going out and playing at these true at these true road games against you know Ken Palm teams in the 250s, 300 range, and they're losing. They're losing. Arizona State lost. Washington State lost to Prairie View A&M. Like this is what is happening because it's really hard to win on the road. It's really difficult to win on the road. This is why teams don't come to Spokane, or when they do, they try to play somewhere else, like the Spokane Arena, like Sunday's game coming up. 
I get why teams don't want to play true road games because it's really hard to win on the road. But it is good for college basketball. It's good for the fan base. It's good for the student section. It's good for the people watching at home to see these raucous crowds. Uh, It's way more fun than just watching a, a boring crowd at a neutral site game. Not as interesting. This is better for college basketball. Sucked for Gonzaga in this environment, but Gonzaga doesn't play enough true road games. And it's not entirely their fault. I'm not blaming Mark Few for not scheduling them because you're not going to schedule a true road game with the team unless they're going to come to your house. And most of the time, that's the sticking point, at least from what we hear, is that teams don't want to come play in Spokane. Texas did it. Good on them. They deserve this win in that regard. They deserve the opportunity to host Gonzaga at their home stadium, and they brought the freaking house down. Good for them. Gonzaga needs to play more of these games as much as they can. Other teams need to be willing to play these games. Right now, we got Gonzaga playing Baylor in South Dakota. In South Dakota. The battle in Seattle last year was great, and it was fun to have Alabama in the house for that. Gonzaga's returning the favor, playing them in Birmingham, not at their home stadium. Fine. I think that that series is fine. I don't really want to nitpick that one too much. But wouldn't it have been more fun? Wouldn't it have been more fun to bring Alabama to the house uh, at Spokane in the kennel, and wouldn't it have been more fun to go play them in Tuscaloosa on their home stadium as well? Gonzaga's played a lot of games in Phoenix in previous years. They've played a lot of games in Portland in previous years. They, obviously, the battle in Seattle has been a prominent game for them. They play a lot of neutral site games, don't play as many home games and true road games, and it's an experience that they need to have because the, the road environments in the WCC are not that. that. That game, you don't get that. You get that at the Marriott Center, and that's great, but that's ending. Gonzaga's looking at the Big 12. We're going to talk about that much more in previous episodes, or excuse me, in upcoming episodes as uh, we got an update that Gonzaga and the Big 12 were at least having a conversation during this game. It doesn't sound like it was a particularly serious conversation, but hey, it's always notable that Gonzaga and the Big 12 continue to talk. The interest still seems to be at least there on both sides. And guess what? You're going to have a whole crap load of really hard road environments. you got to play Kansas at Kansas, Baylor at Baylor, Texas Tech at Texas Tech, Houston at Houston. It's going to be an absolute wild ride if that happens for Gonzaga. As much as they can prepare for these kind of games, that's going to be a critical part of their success in whatever conference they end up joining. And certainly as you get in the NCAA tournament, you have really, really raucous crowds in those environments as well. There are better days ahead for the Zags. I kind of wanted to end the show talking a little bit more positively about the team. We knew coming into the season, and Mark Few told us that this was going to be a rough start. There was a lot of conversation about Gonzaga's young guards needing some time to acclimate to the offense. Most seasons, Gonzaga hasn't played two really good teams within their first three games. This is unusual. Michigan State may have been an unranked team when Gonzaga played them. They're very very unlikely to be unranked for large portions of the rest of the season. Quite frankly, they could be a Big Ten title contender. They're going to be in the top 20 by the time the next poll rolls around on Monday. They might stick there for a long time. That's a very good basketball team. Texas is a top 10 team. Uh, Right on that range of being a top 10 team, they're probably going to be a top 10 team now. There's a decent chance they hold on to that as well. There are better days ahead for the Zags. Maybe not by Sunday. We'll see if they rebound and can hopefully play a good game against Kentucky. Uh, They have a very reasonable chance of defeating Kentucky. I don't think that this result against Texas means, well, there's no chance they're going to beat Kentucky. It's going to be hard. Kentucky's going to watch the heck out of this film, and they're going to try to do a lot of the same stuff. Gonzaga's going to have to respond to that. Uh, That Kentucky game is always going to be a challenging one, no doubt. Um, But there are better days ahead for the Zags, even if this game doesn't go well. 
Nolan Hickman's going to get more used to the offense. I don't think the Zags are going to abandon him as the starting point guard. You can make arguments about whether they should. I think three games into a season is way too early to make any moves like that. Uh, and it's not like Hickman's playing 32, 35 minutes a night. He played 22 in this game. He continues to play roughly half the game. Uh, Hunter Salas has stepped into more of a point guard role in the second unit. I hope that that continues. I think it's been fun to watch. They're not really running their offense in those situations very much. He's kind of just coming down the floor and immediately doing a dribble handoff, usually with Julian Strother or Rasir Bolton, and then they sort of get into their offense. So it's not like Salas is really running a lot of offensive sets necessarily. But I think it offers a different look. Uh, It forces the defense to change up how they're playing Gonzaga, and it also gets Gonzaga's best perimeter defensive player, at least backcourt perimeter defensive player on the court more, which is always good. Salas looked good in that role again in this game. So I think Gonzaga's trying to do some new things. They're trying to figure out where the pieces want to go together. They got to figure out what they have in Malachi Smith. They got to figure out if Rasir Bolton's going to wake up and be a bit more of an offensive contributor than he has so far this season because he hasn't been uh, all that much yet, again, very early in the year. But you need to figure out if he's going to be that guy. And then, of course, you need to figure out what you want to do with Nolan Hickman, what improvements he needs to make. Is it a mental thing? Are there ways to help him with that? Is it just getting more comfortable in the offense? Ways to kind of help him with that. Again, he played off the ball a lot as a true freshman, so he's really acclimating to the for the first time being Gonzaga's true point guard. And these are tough games to do that in. <laughs> these are tough opponents to have to kind of be learning Gonzaga's offense on the fly. Uh, but you, you, you know that he's going to get better. You'd hope that he's a little bit more ready right now, and it's been frustrating that he hasn't been, but there's still a lot of season left. It's mid-November. It's mid-November. That's the best thing that I can say. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Gonzaga's going to be fine in the WCC. We know that. that you know they may, they may not go undefeated, but they're going to be fine. They're going to get themselves a nice seed. Maybe it's not the number one seed. Maybe it's not even a top three seed. Maybe they're a four seed. Maybe they're a five seed. This is possible. This is a possible outcome for Gonzaga this year. That doesn't necessarily mean they can't make a nice run through the NCAA tournament. They can't go to another Sweet 16. From there, who knows? Who knows? Gonzaga can peak at the right time. If you're in the Sweet 16 with Drew Timmy on your team, you've got to feel pretty dang good about your chances going forward. And so I think that this team is season's far from done. It's mid-November. Like we said, it's been a frustrating start, no doubt. Uh, if you're a pissed-off Gonzaga fan right now because this team hasn't been up to your expectations, I get it. I do. I understand we're going to talk more about the issues this team has and what they need to do to fix them in future episodes. For now, though, we're moving on to Kentucky. And that's going to do it for me today. We've a big, big preview of Kentucky coming on the show on Friday. Uh, also, don't forget to check out the new Locked On College Basketball podcast. Uh, it is a national show hosted by myself as well as Isaac Shade, the host of the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, bringing you everything going on. In college basketball, we talk some Zags. We're going to talk some Michigan State. Uh, we're going to preview the Kentucky game and that podcast as well. So go find it, Locked On College Basketball, wherever you get podcasts. You can also find it on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Finally, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.